Let's turn our Bibles this morning to the book of Acts. We'll be in uh, the book of Acts once again this morning, chapter number 19. Uh, Acts chapter number 19. And as you know, we've been in the book of Acts since the beginning of uh, the year, and we'll continue, uh, Lord willing, through the end of the year. And our theme this year as a church has been Action 18. And uh, we want to uh, model the church uh, of the first century, uh, the church of the New Testament. And uh, I trust that these messages have been a help and and an encouragement to you. Uh, I've certainly enjoyed uh, this study and being in the book of Acts. I want you to be back tonight. Of course, our missionaries uh, will be here. And then I'm going to preach on the life of a missionary uh, from uh, the book of Acts, Lord willing. And so I want you to be here tonight. And uh, whenever we do have uh, guest missionaries in, we like to take care of them. So I want to be, I will be taking a love offering tonight. So I'll go ahead and mention that so you can be praying about that, what you would do uh, in that area uh, of, of the offering this evening. Look with me in Acts chapter number 19, and it will begin reading in verse number 23. Acts chapter 19. Uh, verse number 23. I know it's warm today, and uh, thankfully it's not raining, though, and uh, we'll look forward to having a good time in church this morning. Uh, Concentrate on purpose this morning. Give me your attention. Uh, Acts chapter 19, verse 23. In the same time, there arose no small stir about that way. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana, brought no small gain unto the craftsmen whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation and said, Sirs, you know that by this craft we have our wealth. Moreover, ye see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people, saying that they be no gods which are made with hands, so that not only this our craft is in danger to be set at naught, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised, and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipeth. When they heard these sayings, they were full of wrath, and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Here we have an interesting account in Scripture. We know that uh, Paul is, uh, uh, made uh, quite an impact, and he has, of course, the power of the Holy Spirit upon him, And uh, they give a great testimony that uh, Paul, everywhere he goes, everywhere he goes, uh, he is turning people to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's a lot worse things that could be said about a preacher than that. uh, Is that everywhere he goes, people get saved. Everywhere he goes, people turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to draw your attention to verse number 23. It'll be our text verse, and we'll look at every verse uh, that we read this morning throughout the message. And the same time... There arose no small stir about that way. This morning, I want to preach uh, from that verse, from those three words, no small stir. No small stir. Father, I pray this morning that uh, as we look into the Word of God, the Holy Spirit of God will teach us, will instruct us. Uh, He will be our teacher this morning. Father, I pray once again for anyone who has never got their salvation settled. Maybe they're putting their faith in themselves to get them to heaven. That'll not be enough. Maybe they're putting their their faith in a church or a religion, a set of beliefs. That'll not be enough. Father, may they realize this morning that there is but one way to the Father, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Uh, may the Holy Spirit work in their hearts today. Father, I pray that you'll be with the Christian. I pray that as we meet together, we look at the Scripture. May we be instructed. May we be helped. May we be uh, stirred to do some things uh, for you. We ask that you bless our time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Everywhere the Apostle Paul goes, there was no small stir. There was some sort of excitement, and I'll use that word there uh, with a broad meaning. Uh, there was an impact. There was something that took place. And can I say this morning, that's the way it ought to be uh, when it comes to the gospel. Uh, the gospel is confrontational. Uh, the, the truth is confrontational. And everywhere he went, there was no small stir. Uh, there's an interesting uh, thing that takes place at the beginning of the chapter where uh, the Lord is allowing Paul to do, he's doing some miracles by the hand of Paul. And, and then uh, these with evil spirits, and this will be a message for another time, these with evil spirits saw the results and saw what God was doing. And so uh, with their evil spirits, they in the name of the Lord, uh, name of Jesus, tried to do these miracles. And the, and the evil spirits, yeah, they were trying to rebuke rebuke them, saying, I have no idea who you even are. Uh, the Jesus I know, Paul I know, but I don't have, have any idea who you know. It's a very interesting story of how things were stirred up. Then you have all of these, uh, the scripture tells us, who worshipped uh, in the occult, and they were worshipping uh, these evil spirits, came and believed on Jesus, burned all of their satanic materials, and, and, and they continued to serve the Lord in that manner, stirred things up. But we see here, once again, we find a story of this man named Demetrius. Paul, everywhere he goes, is preaching of a risen Savior. And Demetrius, who the Scripture tells us is a silversmith, who he made his, his living off of building shrines to the god of the Ephesians, Diana. And the more that they worshipped Diana, the more they would purchase these shrines. And you know how it works. The more they purchased them, uh, the more he would have to make. And, and, and then uh, this was his business. Business was not booming in the, under the ministry of the Apostle Paul. As a matter of fact, sales were down because he was preaching a risen Savior and many believed. He gets together with the other silversmiths and he reminds them that we make a living, we make our wealth off of making and creating and selling these shrines of Diana. We read the scripture there and it's pretty easy to follow along of how Paul is causing us some trouble because sales are down, and it's, it, it gets worse than that. Not only in our, is our craft in danger, but if we're not careful, people will start hating our God, Diana. And she's losing some of her luster because of this man named Paul. And friend, this leads me to remind you and I this morning that the gospel always causes a stir. Uh, the, the, this greatest story that has ever been told, the greatest thing that has ever taken place through the annals of history is the fact that we have a risen Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, willingly laid His life down to pay the sin debt 
for you, for me, for all mankind, and rose from that grave three days later, victorious, having conquered death and hell. And we have a, a risen Savior, and you and I can know salvation. We can know freedom from religion. We can know a freedom from sin. We can know freedom from all of those things because of, of a risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our faith is in Him. You can imagine how enslaved these, 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 these worshipers of this false god were to the purchase of these shrines. Uh, and again, you ought to get a visual that there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, there are still silversmiths today that make a living off of building shrines to a false god. But how enslaved they were and how they kept them enslaved to have to come back and to sell these shrines to this false god. And the gospel does that. The gospel creates a stir. The name of Jesus is a name unlike any name. And when you talk about the Lord and you preach about the Lord, you can't have no reaction. It is going to bring a reaction to the saved this morning. I know you're still awake. We heard the singing earlier about heaven and about Calvary. And, and boy, you can't think about that if you're saved. You can't, you can't dwell on that and there not be a reaction. Likewise, to the lost individual, you can't hear that message without there being some kind of a reaction. There's no small stir when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no small stir when it comes to the gospel message of Christ and only Christ. I was, uh, as I was doing some study and thinking yesterday and even driving around some places in, in our city, it, 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 I was thinking of as we're getting ready to relocate and, and with the Lord's help do more for Him and to reach more people and really want to make a difference in our city when it comes to the gospel. I'm not, I have no interest in reforming it politically. I have no interest in reforming in some other way. Uh, but I do want to take the gospel from house to house and person to person and, and have, some, have the Lord Jesus Christ change some homes and change some lives and, and change some institutions. But I was thinking of the two, the two of the things that we have to confront and obstacles that we have are cults in the culture. And if we are going to make a difference, it's got to be the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you what will happen as have happened through the decades when it comes to us as a church. There will be a stir because our message is the Lord Jesus Christ. Our message is a risen, a risen Savior and only belief on Him comes salvation. I'm here to tell you this morning and remind you, and most of you, you know this, but I want to remind you that a church can't get you to heaven. You can't get yourself to heaven. You can't do enough good works to outweigh your bad works. Only faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work on Calvary can get any man in the presence of the Father. And that is the message that causes a stir. I cannot tell you how many times that I have been witnessing to somebody and talking to somebody and when, when, when you ask them how they know they're going to get to heaven and they begin to tell you and you say, well, let me show you from the Bible where Jesus says he's the only way. And it's at that, that point the conversation is going to go one way or another. They're either going to be of the mind, tell me more, or they get agitated. 
They get upset. How dare you tell me that my church isn't good enough to get me to heaven? That my good life isn't good enough to get me to heaven? It causes a stir. I want us to see very quickly in this passage how the stir came about. And friend, if you and I individually and us as the Emmanuel Baptist Church are going to cause a stir in this town, it is going to come from uh, having, having the, the, the preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is going to, it, I want us to notice some observations here of this no small stir. Notice first of all that the gospel disrupts the status quo. In verse number 24, for a certain man named Demetrius, the silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana, brought no small gain unto the craftsmen whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation. And sir, it says, Sirs, we know by this craft we have our wealth. Moreover, you see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people. He's turned away much people. He's turned away our customers. He's won our customers. I mean, for so long, this is what they all did. The silversmiths made their shrines. They sold their shrines to those that were steeped in idolatry and, and those with no hope and desperation. Uh, they, would, they would worship this false god and call out to this false god day after day after day, having no answer. And it just, everything was just working uh, the way that it always had. And then one day, the line got a little shorter at the store. One day, customers didn't return. And one day, many had been turned away. And all of a sudden, the status quo is different. All of a sudden, uh, our, our pockets aren't as full uh, with the money from people buying these false idols. All of a sudden, uh, they're, 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 we're, we're threatened uh, in our business, and we've got to get together. We've got to discuss this. It changed the status quo. You know what our city needs? You know what your neighborhood needs? You know what our schools need? You know what this country needs? Is the status quo to be changed. We just get up and we go to work and we get done with work and on Friday night we do this and Saturday we do this and, and Sunday this is what we do and this is just our routine and, and, we, and, we, and we shuttle our, our kids off to be trained by those that don't even believe in God. and then we, It's all about just making money. It's all about just making. No, we need to, to shake things up a little bit and there needs to be a message that says there's more to life than what you do here. There's an eternity that you better prepare for and you live down here, Christian, anticipating uh, reaping the benefits up there. And there needs to be a message that says the status quo is not good enough, friend, this morning. I'm here to tell you, if somebody's been telling you you're good enough to get to heaven, I, I, hate, I hate to be the bearer of reality to you this morning. You can't get you to heaven. Your little routine can't get you to heaven. You lighting a candle can't get you to heaven. You saying certain prayers can't get you to heaven. Only believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, putting your belief on Him, that is the only thing that can get you to heaven. We need that status quo shaken up a little bit. Everybody likes to talk about church. Everybody likes to use the word Christian. It's just a routine. This is what we do. This is how we go about our day. Oh, it's It's Easter. Time to go to church. Oh, it's Christmas. It's time to go to church. This is just what we do. And here comes Paul, the spirit-filled, 
bold man of God. He comes into town and says, I hate to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that's not going to get you anywhere. And he begins to preach a risen Savior. And all of a sudden, Demetrius is affected. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing, church, if the owners of bars had to get together and say, that Emmanuel Baptist Church, ever since they came to town, there's less customers on Friday night. Well, some of these Christians are going to have to start drinking, stop drinking themselves if that's going to happen. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if the Hollywood crowd got together? So these Christians say, Pastor, that, that's just not reality. Oh, it is reality. You start preaching the Lord Jesus Christ, something's going to happen. Hey, if you don't believe it, some of you, you used to spend your Friday nights and Saturday nights in a bar, and lo and behold, you're not doing that anymore. You're in the house of God this morning, and it's not a church that changed your life, because there's a lot of churches today say, that's okay as long as you swing by and drop some money in the offering plate, uh, but there's got to be an old-time preacher every once in a while that says, oh no, there's more to life than all of your little routines. There's more to life than your, their pleasures. The Lord Jesus Christ is greater and far beyond everything, anything you can have in this lifetime and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you trust Christ, He changes everything. Alters everything. Shook up the status quo. You know what would shake up the status quo in a lot of homes? If dad got saved. Mom got saved. You know what would shake up the status quo at your office if Somebody got saved. Or maybe if we just as Christians decided we're going to live like we're saved and preach the same gospel that the Apostle Paul preached. We see, first of all, that the gospel changes the status quo. There there was a stir because something was different. You know, when people come to this church, I want the sense that there's something different. And not just because we're having church in a tent right now, and not just because there's mud puddles in the parking lot right now, but I want them to feel it when they walk in the doors. I want them to feel a friendly spirit. I want them to see friendly faces. But I want them to feel something that they didn't feel at the last church they went to. I want them to sense something they didn't sense the last time they were in a, in, in a church. I want them to sense the real and obvious presence of the Holy Spirit of God that is not manufactured by some rock band, not manufactured by some carnal uh, activities. I want them to feel because of the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a message I've not had not heard. I have been told that if I don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to go to a devil's hell. But you've also been told that God loved the world so much that he provided a way of salvation. It doesn't matter how wicked of a life you've lived. It doesn't matter what things you've done. All you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and your eternity can be changed like that. It would shake up the status quo in your life to such a degree you'd never be the same. Everything would be different and people would see it and there'd be an effect. It changed the status quo. Secondly, I want us to see that it disputes the validity of and existence of any other God. In verse 26, 
The Bible reads, Moreover, ye see and hear that not alone in Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul, you can almost hear him saying it like that, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people, saying that they be no gods which are made with hands. You know the real thing shows the fake thing that it's not real? You know, have you ever had a counterfeit dollar bill? Counterfeit $20 bill? I've had one before. Pretty impressed with a little off. No, I, I, I had one before. I went and made a deposit one time. I had, had a lot of ca- cash I was depositing. It was all kinds of it. And, and, and the banker pulled it out and said, he said, this $20 bill is not real. And I said, well, what are we going to do about that? That's $20. And you know what? I didn't. I missed it. But it was easy to see when you put it up against the real $20 bill. Because when you see the real thing, that which is not real cannot duplicate or model that which is real. And friend, there's been a lot of religions that have tried to duplicate what Jesus Christ can do, and they fail every time. There's a lot of beliefs that have said, hey, we can do what he can do, and they fail every time. Notice the testimony of Demetrius, this one who profited off of the belief of Diana, this false idol. The one who sold these shrines to those who believed that she was a God to be worshipped. His testimony is that he is saying there be no gods which are made with hands. And friend, if that was true in the days of the Bible, and it was, it's still true today. You cannot fashion a God and, and say, this is, good, this is my God. You cannot uh, put a, a, something together and say, now this is God. And how many times has it, have they been manufactured? And how many times have they been made? And, and, and this, this, this can go uh, from the pagan who lives out in, in, in the jungle still today, who, who has some kind of idol that they worship. That is no God. You cannot make a God with hands. Or you can go into the, the, the closest Catholic church and see that statue of Mary that they pray to and they worship. There is no God other than the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no one that you can worship other than the Lord Jesus Christ. There is but one God and only one God and the gospel causes a stir because it disputes the validity and existence of any other God. You think about all of the different beliefs that are out there today. From Islam to Buddhism to Catholicism. You just name the list. What do they all have in common? None of them get along with the Bible preaching and Bible believing Baptist. None of them do. They can all tolerate each other to some degree. But there's one group that we've got to silence. There's one group we've got, we've got to eliminate. And it's the group that says the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. You know, because we have the one true and living God. 
a good way to put it this way is, you, know, you can go and I can, you can look at an empty tomb today. Did you hear me? An empty tomb. There are witnesses who gave an account of seeing the risen Savior. What other belief system can offer you that? What other religion can offer you that? None can, and, a, and the gospel disputes the validity and existence of any other God. See, if there's one salvation, there must be one God. One God, one salvation. See, that, that is what it is all about. Uh, you know, Satan himself, he does not care what God you worship as long as it's not the Lord Jesus Christ. He, doesn't, he, he is not upset that there are churches filled today with individuals unless it is a church that is preaches exactly what I'm preaching right now, that you can't get to heaven without the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't get there unless you go through Him and His shed blood and, and, his, and the finished work of the gospel. You can't do it without Him. Oh, that's what upsets Him because He knows it's true. He knows the reality of it. There is but one way to heaven, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And that message, that message disputes the validity and existence of any other God. If there's one way, then, then the other ways are false ways. This idea of the day of, you know, coexist. Have you seen those bumper stickers? With all the different religions on there. You know, it's kind of hard for Christians to coexist with all these other religions that are trying to kill them. That's kind of difficult. What is this? Because we believe in a risen Savior. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and it disputes the validity of there being any other God. That's the testimony of Demetrius. He's saying that there be no gods which are made with hands. Notice thirdly this morning, we see it destroys the magnificence of false religion. Verse 27, so that not only this our craft is in danger to be set at naught, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipeth. This was a meeting of desperation by these silversmiths. Business is down, it's affecting our wallets, it's affecting our wealth. But notice the scripture. Not only this, our craft is in danger to be set at naught, but also that temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed. Well, it's amazing when you have been, as some of you, this is your testimony, you were reared in a false religion. But then once you meet the Lord Jesus Christ, you look at that false religion that had enslaved you for so long, and it's amazing how it's lost its luster. It's amazing how there's feelings of disgust, if you will, because you've been exposed to the truth, and now you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And all oh, this magnificence of these, these false religions and 
all the, the, the detail in their idols and the detail of, of the way that they, quote-unquote, worship their false god and, and all, of, all, all of that. But friend, when you meet Jesus, you're not impressed with graven images. When you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not impressed with the things that sparkle and shine. And when you meet the Lord Jesus, you realize that He is greater than any religious system. He's greater than any belief system. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you believe as a Christian this morning? What do you believe as a Baptist this morning? I believe in a risen Savior. I just believe in Jesus. I believe He was born of a virgin. He is the only begotten Son of God. He lived a sinless life. I believe that He went to that cross of Calvary, and I literally believe that he laid down his life. And while he was on that cross, every sin that had ever been committed or would be committed was placed on him. And I believe that he suffered the death and the hell of every man. But I also believe this. Three days later, he came up victorious from that tomb holding the keys of death and hell in his hand. And I believe this, that he was seen by those witnesses. And I believe that he actually ascended into the air, having left those last words to go into all the world and preach the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost. I believe right now he sits at the right hand of the Father. And I believe that any man... Any man who would believe only on the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation in that moment of faith, their eternity in hell is changed to an eternity in heaven. Uh, their account in, in, in heaven goes from that wicked account of sin and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ covers it all. And the Bible tells us that their sins are far removed as the east is from the west. And when the devil brings your sins up, and when the devil brings those sins up, God says, what sins are you talking about? Because when I look them up in the records, all I see is the sinless perfection of my son. And friend, I believe that any man, any man who believes on him and knows that they're, they're changed from death and unto life, they know they become a new creature. You dangle religion in front of them, it doesn't compare to that. You dangle working your way to heaven. It doesn't compare to that. When you meet Jesus, all these other religions, they lose their luster. Because it's all about Him. That's why some, they can't understand why we could be happy and content and having church in a tent. Because it ain't about the building we meet in. It's about the Savior who's risen. It's about the Savior who's made a difference. And aren't you glad that He'll save an old sinner in a tent on a concrete floor just as He will anywhere else in this world? All they got to do is put their faith in Him. All they got to do is believe on Him. And when you have been exposed to the real thing, oh, the false religion loses its magnificence. You have to picture with me this God that had been created, Diana. Imagine the money and the effort and the temple that had been built. This was the focus of that city. And now those would come and they'd buy these shrines and then they would go to this temple and worship. 
They would go without hope and they would leave without hope. They would go and make their sight and they would leave without hope. They would pray to this false god and have the same hopelessness every religious act they did. And now here comes along a man with the power of the Holy Spirit of God preaching of a a risen Savior, of one who could pay a sin debt, of one who could wipe away all the sins that they did, of one that could give them a home in heaven. And they, they hear this message, and they're looking at this, this, this idol that has never moved, that has never answered, that has never given peace, that has never done a thing. And you want to tell me that there is a Savior that has risen, the very Son of God, and that the whole time the Holy Spirit of God is working in their heart and saying, yes, that man is telling you the truth. That is a false God, and you better believe on Jesus kind of like he may be right now speaking to the heart of somebody in this service saying your church isn't going to get you to heaven, your religion isn't going to get you to heaven, but there is a risen Savior who is the only way there and he is eager this morning for you to believe on him. He is eager this morning for you to receive him and once you're exposed to the Lord Jesus Christ and you have that encounter with him and you trust him, there's no comparison. Destroys the magnificence of false religion. Number four, I conclude with this. It demands a decision. Demetrius had just looked over his books. This month, not in the black, during the red. He goes back to his storeroom and all of his stock of these shrines of Diana are still there. Business is down. He walks across town to the silversmith across town and he inquires of how sales are. He says, you know, Demetrius, sales are down. My shelves are full. I've got more inventory than I have customers. I say, let's, let's go on the other side of town and let's see how they're doing. They... They make the the trip across and they come to the other silversmith and the story's the same. What are we going to do? We've got to do something about this. And Demetrius, as the spokesman there, he said, this one Paul, he has turned much people away, saying that there be no gods which are made with hands. And not only is our livelihood and what we do for a business in trouble... But, 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 if, but if we're not careful, if this continues, the temple of the great God, they're going to despise it. Because, friend, once they discover the freedom and the liberty of Jesus, they realize how in bondage they were. They realize how foolish they were. They're going to hate the thing that is the central, uh, 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 everything centers around in our city. And their magnificence should be destroyed. Sounds like to me, Demetrius knew enough of the gospel to see something is changing these people. Now we're coming to a point of decision, verse 28. When they heard these sayings, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. 
There was a choice that had to be made. That's what the gospel does. Friend, if you're not saved this morning, I am certain enough of the gospel has been given for you to realize it does not come, it's different than what some religion tells you. And I am certain that the Holy Spirit of God has been and is more than capable of putting conviction on a lost sinner this morning and saying, you need to get saved. But there comes a point of decision. There's no small stir when we as soul winners go out and when we preach a risen Savior, it brings people to a point of decision. Will you accept Jesus? Will you choose Christ or will you reject Him? Verse 28, we have their answer. They were full of wrath. They cried out, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. You know, you would think, and I believe it's probably so, that if business was down that much, and he was turning away enough people from these false idols, and the word was spreading throughout all of Asia that this man who's preaching a risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, things are changing everywhere he goes. You would think that logically they would look at that and say, well, maybe there's something to his message. Maybe what he's saying is true. And friend, I just happen to believe the Holy Spirit of God can work in these temples of false religion. I happen to believe that the Holy Spirit of God can work beyond even what our human mind likes to take time to comprehend. And I can just imagine as they're talking about what Paul's message is preaching, the Holy Spirit of God had given so many evidences and witnesses of a changed life and how these people are not only coming to our business, they look different now. They look happy now. There's a spirit about them. They're not coming into the temple anymore. They're not coming into worship. They're talking about this Jesus. I believe the Holy Spirit of God could have bared witness to those individuals there's something to this you need to consider. What they did is they put their money before their eternity. They put their pride before their own salvation. They put that which was temporal ahead of their eternal soul. And that gospel that was causing a stir, the G- Lord Jesus Christ who was causing a stir, this preacher who's preaching a risen Savior, that was causing a stir. It was forcing a decision. Am I going to continue to go into that temple of this false god, Diana, and come out the same as I went in? And they, she's never answered a prayer for me. She's never done anything for you, for me. But in one moment, I heard of the one Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know what it was, but there was something telling me that he's telling you the truth. Jesus will save your sins. He will save your soul. And the moment I accepted him, the burden has been lifted. I am a new creature now. I don't have the... the old desires that I have. I have some new desires in me now and there was something different about them that was stirring everything up because there was a decision that had to be made. But these individuals made their decision. They said, we'll stay with Diana. I wonder as we conclude how many people have rejected Christ 
because they knew how it would change them. Thinking they, thinking they knew how it would change them. Well, I, I couldn't do this on Sunday anymore. Coming to church doesn't save you, but I believe a Christian, somebody who's saved, will be in church. Well, I'm not going to be able to do this with these friends anymore. We look at this passage of Scripture, and I don't know if you look at it this way that I look at it. I look at this and say, of all the evidence that these Demetrius and these others had been given of a risen Savior, why in the world would you stick with a false God, but I'm afraid it's just as foolish as people who live in this world we live in today, and they keep their job over getting saved. They keep their friends over getting saved. They keep their pride over getting saved. And friend, I hate to, I hate to say it this morning, but all of these, if they never changed and made a different decision, they are burning in hell today. They're not chanting, great God, Diana. They are saying in their mind, if we can only go back and make a different decision. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus is the only savior of the soul. That's the testimony they would sing today. But that's not the decision that they made. And friend, if you're not saved this morning, you better choose the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't think about how it's going to alter your life. You have no idea how wonderful your life will be after salvation after receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't it get old going to bed with that sin burden? Doesn't it get old getting up every day with that sin burden? Oh, this world has so much to offer. The Friday night fun, the Saturday night fun. You got to keep going. You got to keep going. You got to keep going. And one day your life's going to be used up and you're still going to face eternity. Why would we choose the false religion? Why would we choose to live a humanistic life when even this morning, the Holy Spirit of God has been bearing witness that what this Bible says is true. No small stir. Friend, I, I, as a church this morning, I want to remind you, as the Lord blesses us in, in the days ahead, we'll always be the controversial church. It's not out of desire to be the controversial church. But when you preach Christ, it would put if, 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 if Jacksonville would receive the Lord Jesus Christ, it put every false church out of business. It put the liquor stores out of business. Much of the entertainment would go out of business. Can you imagine how wonderful that would be? It's not going to cause a stir. And friend, my message is not going to change from Sunday to Sunday to week to week. It's still going to be the same as we get closer to Christ's return. You better prepare your soul. You better accept the Lord Jesus Christ. No church is going to save you. No religion can save you. No man can save himself. You've only got to receive the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. And it's going to cause a stir. And some are going to receive Christ and not only is their eternity changed and never going to be the same, but their life will never be the same again. But there's going to be some who say, I'll stay with Diana. I'll stay with the God of this world. I trust this morning that if you're not saved, that won't be you. 
that you'll allow somebody to open the Scriptures this morning and show you what is necessary for salvation, which is just a belief on Him. What He did for all mankind, forsaking all others, only faith in Christ. Church, I don't want to be like every other church that their community doesn't even know they're there. They go week in, week out, year in, year out. Decades go by, and they've made no difference. The gospel stirs things. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if there was some business in Jacksonville started declining. If you look at the horrible, horrible, violent things that are taking place in our neighborhoods, the shootings, the murders, the violence. You look at our public schools and you've got to have sheriff's deputies on the campus all the time. You look at our, don't, don't we want to shake that up? Don't we want something different than that? Don't we want something different than the status quo? You say, yes, we need a political revolution. I'm forgetting the best politicians we can possibly get in, in, but that's not going to change a thing. The only thing that is going to change people is the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to change them on the inside before you can change them on the outside. It's not complicated. And we need to have a church and a group of people say, Pastor, we're willing to stir things up because we want to preach a risen Savior. Some of you, you come, you're the only Christian in your home, the only Christian in your family. You know how it is when holidays come around? You're the one that stirs it up just by your mere existence. Don't shy away from that. Whenever you get the opportunity, you tell your loved ones, Jesus will change you. Jesus will save you. Jesus will give you a home in heaven. Friend, if you're here this morning, it's decision time. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, it's decision time. Are you going to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you going to hang on to the gods of this world? It's time to make a decision.